In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but listening to the first reading today from the prophet Habakkuk, it seemed more to me that it was written about a week ago and not 2,500 years ago. The words of Habakkuk and the despair before the evil in the world, we see in our own times. So much political strife, so much violence, so much hatred, the killing of innocence, abuse, domestic violence, so many evils that plague us. These words of Habakkuk could have been written this morning. He says, how long, O Lord? I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you, violence, but you do not intervene. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and clamorous discord. Tell me if that doesn't describe our times. All the things we see around us, and we may, like Habakkuk, want to raise our voices to God and Where are you? Why don't you do something about this? It's the question that has stunned people for centuries, forever. If God is good, why is there evil in the world? Why doesn't he just end it? Why? Have you ever felt frustrated and Angry or wanted to blame God for the evil in the world? Wanted to blame God for not doing something? Wanted to see or test him in this way? It's the cry of a human heart in the face of what we experience and what we see throughout the centuries. Sometimes we can think our times are the worst of times. Well, it seems like Habakkuk was going through the same thing over 2,500 years ago. And yet the Lord responds and answers. The Lord answered him and said, write down the vision clearly. And he gives him this prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, the one who is going to come into the world to save the world from sin, from evil, from death. And give, restore the life that was promised and given by God from the beginning that we lost because of sin. He says... Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. God, in the midst of this ugliness of which the Habakkuk, the prophet, complains, inspires hope, trust, believe in me, have faith in me, I am with you. Evil will not prevail. Everything God has ever made is good. Evil is not God's fault. Blaming God for the evil around us in our own lives or in those of those who, I mean, we see war and torture and ugly abortion, so obviously evil and yet so prominent in our world. How can we battle over such a thing, the killing of innocents? So many things that are happening in our day. And yet God in the midst of it all says, do not doubt, trust in me, have hope. Believe, hear my voice, and do not harden your own heart. 
St. Paul to Timothy in this second reading, he says, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power, love, and self-control. So don't be ashamed of giving testimony of the Lord. Bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. In the midst of the evil that can be around us so that we can experience in our own temptations, our own fight against evil in our own lives, our pride, our jealousy, our lust, our criticism, all these things that we battle with in our own lives every day. He's inviting us to unite our hearts to the one who came to save us. This cry, God, why don't you intervene? Why don't you do something? And God says, I have. I already have. I sent my son to take your sin upon himself to redeem you so that you could receive from me the gift I wanted you to have from the beginning before you discarded it, which is eternal happiness, eternal joy, eternal life with me. I've done my part. It reminds me of this, I think it was a Chinese fable. It's a story about this man who's in society and he sees the evil around him and he he wants to get away from it, so he, he goes out into the forest. And out in the forest, he's out there for a time, and he comes across the tiger. And the tiger's wounded. It's lying there, dying. And a rabbit comes along, dragging some food, and places it before the tiger so he can get strength. And he does this three times a day for a period of days until the tiger gets strength and is healed. And this rabbit every day coming and dropping this food off. And this man observing this and saying, if these animals can do this, why can't humans do the same? I'm going to go see if they will. So he goes back to the city. And he wounds himself and lays in the middle of the street waiting to see who will come to his aid. And people step on him. They step over him. They spit on him. They yell profanities. Get out of the way. And so he complains to God. It's like right here this morning. Lord, why? Why don't you do something? Why don't you change their hearts? Why can't they be like the rabbit? Why don't you do something and intervene? And God talks to him and says, I already have done something. I made you. Stop being the tiger and start to be the rabbit. So easy it is for all of us to take the role of the tiger and complain because we're wounded and we're hurt and we need help. So hard to make the sacrifice to be the rabbit. I mean, think about it. A rabbit going in the, before the mouth of a tiger, dragging food. It's a fable, it's a story. But it's a sacrifice the rabbit has to make because he knows <laughs> the tiger would probably rather eat me than whatever I'm bringing. He places himself in the face of the danger and bears the hardship in order to do what is necessary. It's an interesting story, and I think it can speak to our hearts if we listen. But oftentimes we do what the psalm said. We hear the voice of God and we harden our hearts. You know, you hear this, we've heard this verse so many times. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And you think, wow, if I heard the voice of God, why would I harden my heart? On the contrary, I'd be so happy to hear his voice. I'd be rejoicing, thanking him. Oh, God, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for coming to my way. 
Why would I harden my heart at the voice of God? Would it not be because he asked me to do what he's asked us to do from the beginning of time? Obey him, be humble, love and serve and sacrifice ourselves, die to yourself, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. And so we harden our hearts because no, that means I have to sacrifice me rather than seek my own selfish pleasure and my desires and my own pride. That's what hardens the heart. The unwillingness to accept the will of God to please him first and to serve our brothers above ourselves. Our brothers and sisters in this world that are so in need of his love and that he wants us to be his instruments of that love for a world so desperately in need of him. We should not harden our hearts because of pride, but be willing to give of ourselves generously, to bear the hardships that we must bear for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. In the gospel, they asked Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. And the response he gives is telling. He says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, I mean, you don't need a whole lot of it, just this tiny little bit. If you really had that, you could say to this mulberry tree, unroot yourself and be planted in the sea, and it would. And so the question isn't about increasing your faith, he says. Basically, then he goes on to say this story about if a servant comes in from the field, and we just heard, what's that got to do with increasing my faith? Well, obviously he's saying, You've got the faith. It's there. Even if it's that tiny little seed, what you need to do is live it. Live the faith. It's so easy to call ourselves Christian, but it's demanding to truly be Christian. You know, to have the name, say I'm a Catholic, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ, that's easy. But to be Christian sincerely, is demanding. Because it demands of me to die to myself every day for the glory of God and the good of others. Those are the great two commandments. Love God above all, love others more than myself. That's what Jesus gave us. To be Christian means to die to yourself every day. To live for God and to live for neighbor. Wouldn't the world be a much better place if we did this? Wouldn't the world be a much better place if everyone in the world had that attitude? Wouldn't it be a much better place, my own home, my own family, my own workplace, if everyone present there were to live that, putting God and others before themselves? Evil is not God's doing, it's ours. Everything God made is good. We chose to reject him in our sinfulness, to go our way and seek to do it the way we thought would be best. And that's where our pride gets in the way. And so we sin by disobeying God to follow our own whims, our own selfishness, our own desires. So to show us the way he does all on his behalf, by becoming one of us, 
to show us how to be obedient, how to be humble, how to be generous, how to be loving, how to be giving, how to be forgiving, how to be compassionate. He doesn't tell us. He shows us the way to be sons and daughters of God. So he's done his part. God, why don't you intervene? I have intervened. He tells the prophet before Christ, it's coming, it will not be late, be ready. He tells us, through Paul, bear the hardships of the gospel, because Christ has given us what we need, now it's up to us to do our part. I've done what I need to do, and now it's in your hands to do what you need to do. You don't have to go far away to do it, no. You can do it with the person you're sitting next to. Get rid of your selfishness and put them before yourself. How many weddings, how many marriages would be so much better if every husband and every wife would die to themselves every day and live for each other? Selfishness gets in the way. Pride gets in the way. Divorce comes along the way. Why? Because we weren't faithful to what we promised, to the vow we made. And that's the way with every relationship and every sin. The pride is the root of all evil. And yet God says to us, here I am. I've done my part. You already have the victory. Because my son has conquered sin and conquered death and conquered evil. The devil's been defeated. If you cling to him and come to him and live in him and let him live in you, you will share in that victory. In the measure that you allow him to fill your heart with his love and you give that love to those around you. That's all I ask. As St. Augustine said, the God who made you without you will not save you without you. I've done my part to save you. It's up to you to do your part to respond in kind. You can die to yourself and live for me and live for others and refine eternal bliss and happiness and joy. Or you can continue to live in your miserable little world of selfishness and end up anguished and despaired. And blame me for the evil around you that I didn't do. God is not the cause of our evils in this world. That's our doing. And it can be our doing as well to overcome them by the way we become a part of his solution and not a part of the world's problem. Are you willing to open your heart to God, to allow him to work in your life? Like I said, you don't have to go far. Your spouse, your children, your brothers and sisters, your parents, your workplace. Imagine all of us just sitting right here to do a better job at that and make the world a more loving Christian place. Wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone did that? Why do they reject the message of Jesus Christ? What is it that would want to not be happy and rejoice forever? Pride. Sinfulness and selfishness must be done away with by us in our lives. Because God has come to overcome it with his son, giving his life to save us from that sin. This is our battle. If today 
you hear his voice. Harden not your heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.